His name's Aaron, and he's very pleased to meet you. He's heard a lot of nice things. His name's Tommy, and he doesn't even speak Mandarin, so don't try it. And this is the Super Pod Saga. Yeah. Yay. That's I, I really like our music kick in. I think it's really cool. Yeah, that was a good idea. I can't believe we didn't think of that earlier. Right? Gosh, <laughs> me and my stupid Tetris music. <laughs> if, He's uh, cool, though. If you're a first-time listener and you don't know what I'm talking about, the Super Pod Saga is the show you're listening to. It's a podcast where Aaron and I talk about a different video game topic every week, and we're going to talk about every topic until there's none left to talk about. Until there's just a global shortage of topics, and then at which point we'll, we'll stop. We'll give the world a break. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll come back with uh, the sequel. <laughs> uh, today we got a special episode, though. We're not talking about our usual topics. It's going to be our top games of 2022. Ooh, what a, what a, it's been a pretty good year. Yeah, I, if, if we want to talk about games as a whole for the year, like, for the first six months, I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to have ten games, because... There was like nothing that I had played or liked. I'll talk. There's one game that consumed me that we'll talk about, but like, I was really concerned that I wasn't gonna get ten games. And then the second half just came at le- left with a bang, and I got tons of good games. That's crazy. That's that's pretty much the exact opposite of me. Like the first yeah, yeah. six months, I had just tons of shit. And now no shit, zero shit. <laughs> no shits at all. I'm still kind of slogging away through a few games, but. Well, well, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we will. Um, where can people find us on the social medias, Aaron? Yeah, I think uh, it's safe to say our primary one is Twitter for sure, at Superpod Saga, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, pretty much every, even Tumblr. All of those, just Superpod Saga. You'll you'll find us for sure if you just search for that. Yeah, there's no one else. I want to talk about the rules for our top games of nah. 2022 because we do, we do it a little differently, I feel like. We... We are not coming up with a consensus top 10 list because Aaron and I play vastly different games. So he and I have different lists of the top 10 games we played this year. And another big thing for us is they don't have to be games that came out in 2022. They are just games that you played this in this past year. Because um, Which... Yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you... I was going to say, which, say, which is good for me because there was maybe... Uh... There's one that was really, really close that was released like really late last year, and then there was a few that were pretty darn old that I just had to put on this list anyway. Yeah, yeah, because you and I are not, this isn't our job, playing video games isn't our job, we don't have the t- all the time in the world to play all of the games. Like, I My big example that I always go to is Red Dead Redemption 2. I didn't get to play it until like five years after it came out last year, so that was like my game of the year. It was the best thing I played last year, but under traditional rules... I wouldn't get to talk about it, which isn't fair. So yeah, don't don't get upset at us for our rules. They they make sense to us. <laughs> That's true. Yep, this is our podcast. If you have a problem, email us or something. Yeah, please email us. <laughs> email our support team. <laughs> our support team. <laughs> I'm really excited for this. Like, I don't I don't. The top ten games was kind of like my inspiration for wanting to do a podcast with you. I know we didn't talk about doing a podcast until this past summer, but when we were just talking about our top 10 games of 2021, our top 10s were 100% different. We didn't have a single game. And I was like, man, we have such different experiences in games. I kind of want to look for that in the messenger and see what those even were. I 
I know for sure mine, one of mine was Bravely Default, but I forgot what the hell the other ones were. I remember Red Dead, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. That's that's my that's my Red Dead. That's my Red Dead. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Should we should we get into it? Should we start? Uh, yeah. Let's do. Unless you wanted to do any like, I I forgot about the Twitter comments, but honestly, we can just say that. <laughs> I'm for not going to risk episode. looking on my computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. We we can jump into the pit. Okay, I've got a Lugia coin. On one side is Lugia, and the other is Pokemon. Uh, this will decide oh. who starts. So, do you want to do you want to call Lugia or Pokemon? Oh, it's your coin. You can be Lugia. Okay, flipping. It is Pokemon. Aaron, you go first. All right. The uh, the very first one is one that actually came out like at the beginning of this year. Yu Gi Oh Master Duel. Oh, is that Ooh. the mobile one or the the? It's mobile? all of them. Okay. Because yes, it, it's that's on. Right, uh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah, it's on mobile consoles, all that junk. But yeah, it's it was weird. Is it's it's like the best Yu-Gi-Oh game I've played, but it's also kind of one of my least favorites <laughs> in a way. Because I mean, we'll, we'll start with what's good. So it stands out from a lot of other Yu-Gi-Oh games because it actually it's always being updated and has a lot of the newest newest archetypes Meta. and yeah, basically <laughs> it's it's keeping up with the. It's just barely like a couple steps behind like the meta of the actual physical card game, but oh, it's 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 pretty up to date still. And uh, and they're always updating the ban list as well too, according to what people say. Like when the game first came out, it was I, I don't know why they do this, but the ban list for the actual physical card game and then the online card game is totally different. Hmm. I don't, maybe it's because in the online card game you can get whatever cards without I don't know. Oh, but, that's a good point. There were a lot of cards that weren't banned that should have been because they're just absolutely broken. But anyway, what else is good? It's uh, it's, it's super. Everybody's playing it, so it's super easy to find matches online. Yeah, unlike the other Yu-Gi-Oh games, it was a huge hit when it first came out, and it was free. You didn't have to pay fucking forty bucks for like the other yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh games. <laughs> but then we get to what's bad, and that's like this is why no, 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 it's no, no. so far that down your list. No wait, no, I forgot to add. So another good part is the the uh -huh. solo mode has there's different what's called gates with different archetypes that you'll play against like the the ghost trick, uh, light sworn and a bunch of other ones. I'm sure I'm sure you know all about those, Tommy. Oh yeah, um, I love the light sworn. <laughs> but yeah, and there's as you go th through the different paths in that gate, there's different little they'll they'll mix up the deck a little bit, add different like play styles to it, and it'll get kind of challenging toward the end. But that's pretty cool. But yeah, then then we get to what I hate about it, which is like. I, I feel like I used to be good at Yu-Gi-Oh, but oh, no. now it, the game is just so different from when I last played it because, you know, traps are slow and obsolete now. There's just a lot, of, there's a lot of what are called floodgates, which is people can basically just shut down your deck with, like, the play of one card, and it, it sucks sometimes. It really sucks to play oh, online. No. But the youth. The youth has caught up with you. I'm the blaming youths. the youth. <laughs> I know. God damn it. 31 year old Aaron I'm just I can't <laughs> do it man too slow at putting the cards out and I guess it's also partly my fault too because I like to use archetypes that aren't as popular mm. like fossil fusion and dark lords and those get bricked really really easy which audience if you don't know bricked means your starting hand basically doesn't go anywhere it's stuck there like a brick but yeah that's I, I use archetypes that don't have a lot of support, and I get bricked a lot, or I just get screwed over, and 
it sucks, but that's it's mostly my problem, I, I guess. Yeah, if I, I mean, you there, popular there are stuff. decks that are way more fun to pilot than others. I I do that in other card games too, where I I mean I know it's not the best most win rate, but it's still more fun to play. Yeah, not, I don't I don't want to play the same exact deck as like I don't want to play the same deck using that deck. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. But because then it's just like oh, oh well, yay yay duel. <laughs> But no, it, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cool game. Like it's it's definitely I'll the best Yu-Gi-Oh game in. Would you say ever? I yeah, I would say ever. Yeah, because <gasps> you heard it. I like that they're I like that they're doing it as like a what you call live service kind mm -hmm. of where it's yeah kind of yeah yeah because they're always updating it and stuff, which is awesome. Before they would just release a game and that's it. No new updates. You'd be stuck in the Stone Age. And <laughs> the, all the cards made of stone. And they're That's all good. made of really sharp, sharpened bamboo. <laughs> Excellent, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Master Duel. That's Aaron's number ten. Okay, uh, my number ten pick is Wordle. Everyone Word. applaud, Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot to say about Wordle. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows what it is. It's it's the the it's the website technically where <laughs> you. You have to guess the five-letter word, and it's different every day. You only get one a day. And then you share it with your friends, and you're like, oh, you got in three guesses? It took me four. And they're like, yeah, I got lucky with the E on the first guess. And you just do that every day for the rest of your life. And <laughs> it's, it's a very simple game, but like, honest, like honestly for me, I loved Wordle because it was a conversation starter with all my friends. Like, I live in a different state than I grew up in, than I went to college, friend. All my friends don't live here. So I only communicate with them through my phone. And it was just really nice to to have something to send them, them every day just to get a conversation started. I, I talked to my friends more often than I ever did, and it's because of Wordle. So thank you, Wordle. Yes, thanks, Wordle. Hey, everybody, this episode sponsored by Wordle. Thanks, Wordle. <laughs> sponsored by New York Times, Wordle. Yes, there we go. Um, the world's portal. Oh, there, I I have a good feeling there is one game on our list that are the same. So like, yep, we uh, when we get to that point, I think like we should just have one person say their thing, and then when the other person brings it, then they can say their thing. So everyone gets their. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I know I exactly what game you're talking about. <laughs> no, we both know. <laughs> um, I wish I had more to say about Wordle, but I don't. So <laughs> we can go to your next one. I'll have more to say about other games for sure. No, they need to make an actual mascot for Wordle. It's just a Squirtle, and he's got like a little t-shirt. Oh, little my gosh, it's perfect. White t-shirt with a W, and he's the Wordle Squirtle. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> New York Times can afford it. Did you know that the New York Times, because they own it now, they recently hired a Wordle editor a person whose only job is to hand pick the word every day. What the fuck? That's <laughs> like, what? I mean, that's kind of cool. I would just pick like a, a random like obscure like video Butts game every word day. Or <laughs> yeah. Fart with a p h a r t. <laughs> okay, that's Wordle. You can you can go to your next one. The next one I have is uh, is Chrono Cross the Radical Dreamers Edition. The the whole remaster thingy. Yeah, that came out this year, right? Yeah, it was April, I'm pretty sure. Like, it's Chrono Cross. <laughs> they remastered it. Like, it looks pretty... It looks a little bit crisper. It plays well, but, I mean, it's... For some reason, the frame rate in combat always dips really, really low. So as you're attacking, your dudes are just going so mm. slow, and 
it's kind of sucks they couldn't have fixed that just a little bit but other than that yeah i mean it's basically just chrono cross but it looks prettier they didn't really add a whole lot else besides the whole radical dreamers thing that i haven't played yet because god it's a whole uh not really a visual novel but like a text adventure kind of thing but that's chrono cross all right it's it's great though it's <laughs> had, had you played chrono cross before yeah i played a little bit a little okay. bit of it before well i'm glad because i did i had never even seen what chrono cross looked like until this year when it came out and i saw i read reviews and stuff and i was like oh okay I was not expecting that yeah man, it's, it's pretty fun good old chrono cross um, good old chrono cross. my number nine pick is a game called the open league i'm I've sure anyone listening has never heard of it because it is extremely niche extremely low population <laughs> so the open league huh. is a simulated soccer league or football league for those who practice <laughs> uh, practice it's technically available on Steam, which surprised me because it's internet browser based. Like I just go to the website every day and you pick a server and on the server is 30 teams that are each run by 30 real people. And you find a team that's available and you take over them and the people's teams play each other every day. Seasons are like two and a half weeks long and you make roster moves, you make trades with people, you sign players, you, there's a youth camp. It's, it, I've been obsessed with it over the last few months with another friend that got me into it. He started at the same time. And baseball for me is super fun, but one thing that frustrated me was my fellow team followers making stupid decisions with players that they would go after. And so... Oh, yeah. The open league is nice because I'm in control of the team, so I get to decide who I sign, who I trade for, what strategy I put in it. It's really, really cool. Like, it's surprisingly in-depth and feels really good to, to make the trades and stuff. Um, the games happen on Discord, though, not on the website. So you have to go into the Discord channel, and it's like baseball where you just get little text updates about what's happening. And... The games actually happen in real time, so you are sitting there for the whole 90 minutes watching text updates for your soccer game and seeing what your players do. 90 and, minutes? Yeah, technically it's more than that because they have a halftime, and it, it is actually a 15-minute break. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> do, they still have, uh, do they still have Shakira or whatever doing the halftime show? Uh, no. It just <laughs> says halftime is now. Here are the scores. Like, it's... It's insanely in-depth. Like, you have an assistant who is an AI. It's a bot in Discord. But you can be like, hey, I want to do a press release. And he's like, okay, cool. What do you want to say? Or what do you want to title it? And you tell him. And he's like, okay, what do you want me to say? And then you type it out. And he's like, okay, I'll send it out to the league. And he does. Or you could, when you release a player, he'll be like, just had the talk with Chimbley Rufflin. It's always tough letting people go. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks, Mort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah it's just really it's for a sports management simulation it's really really fun i don't know a lot about soccer like i don't know what the positions are but it's it's still fun to do and fun to to trade with people and i i'm i could see me playing this for a long time that is really cool yeah just that, that's cool that so you only do it's only 
you that makes decisions for your team. It's not like yes. it's not like baseball where it's a whole community over nope. one team. One person, one team. That's cool. And there's three leagues of ten teams, and so like whoever finishes the top of the third league, the top three teams get to advance up to the next league. So you're always trying to climb the ladder to become the top. Hell yeah, yeah that's it's cool. Really cool. Uh, speaking of balls, uh, we're yeah. going on to <laughs> we're going on to Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. That Ooh. I forget what the hell that was. Yeah, yeah, and that one was really cool because it uh, it feels like like the ne- the next like natural step for Borderlands because Borderlands the pre everything after two was kind of just bland. Mm-hmm. Like the pre sequel Borderlands three, they're both really all right, but. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands was cool because first off, it's all, you know, medieval because it's supposed to be like D and D and everything like that. But uh, they added just a bunch. They kind of changed the way the game plays just a little bit though. So I think in the other games you had, but you had your guns, your class skill. Oh yeah, instead of grenades, you have what are called spells, mm. and they're actually like way more useful than the grenades were in the first few games because like the spells have different wonky abilities. Like it'll be, you know, of course you throw a fireball. You throw chain lightning, but then there's all sorts of other shit. Like, you throw, like, this flaming dragon bullshit thing. And and then and then you, you can multi-class, which is really, really sweet. So, like, you can start off... I started off as... I think it was called the Spell Slinger. The Spell Slinger can use two spells. I forget what the, what the trade-off was. But, yeah, they just... It's just a death machine, basically. And then I multi-classed into this other one called the Spore Warden that has this little mushroom pet. And that's oh, really, really cool. sweet. And uh, all the classes are just actually really cool. And because I forget what any of them were in the third game because it was so forgettable. Yeah, the, the classes actually felt really sweet and really unique, like really different for the time. And the the DLC has been really underwhelming. Definitely not oh. as cool as it was in the second game. But the the actual like post game content, like after you beat the game, like the baked in post game content is actually pretty cool. But that's Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, everybody. It's pretty cool. good. Cool. They, they, their creativity is like second to none when they when they hit the nail on the head. Yeah, they do. It's, uh, I mean, a lot of people agreed too that it was it was like the next logical step for Borderlands, which is really really cool. Like instead of just instead of just copy and pasting the same thing with like barely different classes, they they just changed it all up. They they kind of tweaked it a little bit, especially because like. Borderlands 1, everyone loved. Borderlands 2, everyone loved. But then it kind of just was samey, I feel like. So yeah. good on them for, like, switching it up and not just quitting like other franchises have done. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like uh, Assassin's Creed, where they just they took a little <laughs> hiatus. They were like, no, we're going to wait, like, three years max. <laughs> Speaking of quitting, my number seven pick is Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh, that's that's perfect. It made the list, but I there was a long time where I wasn't sure. Um, but looking back, it's on worth it, it for the segue. I think it, I, yeah, worth it for the segue. I only played forty hours of Elden Ring, and I had had enough. What do you mean only? That's still a pretty good amount. Oh, man, I barely made it anywhere though. Like I had <laughs> only just gotten out of the first area <laughs> to the the second area <laughs> in forty hours. Um, there is a lot I really liked, I loved about Elden Ring. The exploration of that first area is, is so great. Just wandering around, finding caves. Like, it, 
I've never. This was my first Souls like game. This was my first Souls or whatever you want to call it. So like just making incremental process, just like starting at a campfire and going a direction and dying and being like, okay, I'm gonna do better next time. And you get past those things and you die at the next point and you're like, okay, I know what to do now. <laughs> just <laughs> it's it's a slog, but you feel so accomplished when you actually do it. There's there's a peninsula south of the starting area that's kind of closed off. It's its own little thing. I had an absolute blast doing everything on that peninsula. Like I explored every corner. There was a castle. There was a story to the whole thing. And that's cool. It was super fun. And I had a great time. And then I left that peninsula and went north to like this really giant boggy area that was like a gross swamp with gross monsters and it just wasn't fun anymore and i was Gross. like i feel i feel accomplished already like the peninsula was great that was like a full game in and of itself and so just seeing how much more i had to do was really difficult and i just did not feel properly rewarded for my exploration at the end of every cave at the end of every boss is like a weapon or seal or armor piece that I either wasn't powerful enough to use or I wasn't built with my skills right or I just didn't know how it worked. It just 95% of the stuff I found I couldn't use and it just didn't feel good. I, I really like it just felt like I was using the same weapons all the time. And like, I kept seeing people talking mm -hmm. about how you can experiment with builds and it's so fun. And I feel like it takes so long to get there, but that's, that's negatives. There's a lot of good things about Elden Ring. It's gorgeous. I really love the combat, which was a surprise to me because I don't like difficult games, but I really, really came to enjoy the combat and it did just enough to make a huge impact on me. I might go back to it someday. I don't know, but seventh best game of the year. No, nice. eighth best game of the year. Oh, there you count. go. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of of rolling, 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 Cult of the Lamb, people. Oh yeah. I, yeah, that's my next one. I really wanted to get around to that, but didn't. Yeah, it was. There's uh, I mean, I guess it's not like the most perfect game. There's there's a couple things that I kind of don't like about it, mm -hmm. but yeah, you know, of course we'll start with the good. Uh, I I could spend all day on the cult management bullshit. I could spend. I spend more time on that than I have like on the combat or like any other part of it. I, I could just, just indoctrinate new followers and feed them bowls of poop, uh, make them mind things, do all this other, just treat them like a dickhead basically. And all this stuff is just, it's so great. And then you just build more and more buildings. You unlock more shit to do. And it's just so great. But then we'll get to the, the negatives where the combat and just moving your character around in combat just feels super slippery. Ooh. I think that's the best way to explain it because because you'll you'll be attacking and your character will kind of like move with it, but you also kind of bounce all over the place, kind of. I can't explain it without seeing it, but that that always kind of drove me nuts because I would be trying to hack away at a boss, but I'd be kind of like bouncing away from it a little bit, and I'd, I'd end up getting in the way of its attack. I don't know. It's maybe I just suck butt at the game, but overall yeah it's it's good it's it's a sweet little roguelike i love roguelikes they're great and uh, the cult management part is worth it but i wish that the combat wasn't so slippery and that's me do you think it could exist as just a cult manager or is the combat like totally required 
Like, do you I, think they could make an alternate version by changing some things up? I bet they could do just the cult, the combat and, like, the adventure stuff. That's really all they needed for. Honestly, I don't think you really even need to. Well, I guess you, you, you have to do it to go out and get most of your resources and new followers. But that's pretty much it. Like, you don't really need to go out and do the combat or the story or anything like that. The story's cool, by the way, but you don't really even need to go out there and do it. Uh, speaking of games that you liked things about but also didn't like things <laughs> about, <laughs> my, my number seven pick is the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe Edition. I saw that coming. Yes. It's, it's See, I, I knew that like you'd expect it to be in my top ten, but I okay. I waited nine years for this game because the Stanley Parable, the original one, was one of my favorite games ever made. It's it's in my top ten all time. And then like three years later, they're like, we're making another one, or we're making a no. They were like, we're gonna make a special edition with extra stuff. And I was like, cool. And then it didn't come out for like another four or five years. It it just took forever. And then I played it, and I really enjoyed it. It's it's hilarious. There are endless, endless good moments. Like when Stanley yells into the bucket, no! Or the, <laughs> the infinite the hole where you, you fall down the infinite hole, but it's not infinite, and it just gets less and less infinite, and then you kind of go insane as you're standing in it. Um, and just the mechanic of how they – because – the Stanley Parable has tons of different endings that you can experience. And then in the Ultra Deluxe Edition, whenever you start the game and grab the bucket that's on a pedestal, it then, from that point on, when you go to those old endings, there'll be new endings. So it's super easy to Ooh. switch between experiencing the old stuff and the new stuff. Best bucket mechanic of the year, by far. Um, that absolutely is. But after I marathoned through it and saw everything that I could see, I kind of just had this feeling of, all right, that's that's the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. It wasn't uh, it wasn't like, this is super amazing, incredible. I was like, that was more Stanley Parable, which is what I wanted, and that's what I got. <laughs> but, I like how they went the, uh, the route of making it the Ultra Deluxe, instead yeah. of just being like, like, Stanley Parable Plus or something. It was originally, they were like, we're going to bring it to consoles, the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. <laughs> and then by the time they actually got around to it, they were like, and Series X and PlayStation 5 and Switch. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was originally just a PC game. And they were like, we're going to bring it to console. It took them six years. <laughs> was it worth it, though? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm very happy we got more Stanley Parable. There's, like, so many, so many good moments. Like, uh... You go to the museum and they have like the bucket on display, but Whoa. you can grab the bucket at the beginning of the game. And so if you bring them together, the narrator's like, huh, Stanley, why are there two buckets? Don't let them near each other. Don't. And if you go, they explode and then you don't have any buckets. Then how do you play the game without the bucket? Then you <laughs> you just go and then you experience one of the older endings. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. What do you what do you put your, your fish and your bait and tackle in? You don't, You don't have any of that. That doesn't exist. Oh, oh, okay. man. That's just crazy. sorry. Just another. I just. I feel like I'm not giving enough credit. Uh, one of the best parts of the game is when the the narrator takes you into the memory zone where you reminisce about the first Stanley Parable, and he's like, "Don't you remember the the broom closet? Wasn't that great?" And then you find a back area, 
and he's it's all dark and scary and stuff and he opens a door and it's like negative steam reviews and he's reading them and he's like the narrator wasn't funny why would they say that and and you just go to read all these reviews and he gets upset and so he changes what the stanley parable ultra deluxe is and that's how it gets started it's it's really clever really funny but it is what it is that is really cool though speaking of unfunny narrators (laughs) omori was my next one (laughs) is that the black and white one it's it's uh it's actually not black and white it's it's in full color my guy (laughs) excellent good No, so yeah, this originally released for PC in 2020, but yeah, we got it for consoles and everything else just this year, and and it was yeah, it was worth the wait for sure. It's uh, basically it's just your typical turn-based RPG, but it's got some little tweaks to it, and the story. Uh, since since I've known about the game, I knew that it was dark and like spooky kind of, but I never really understood because I had stayed away from all sorts of spoilers and shit so I could experience the game blind. It was worth it to experience the story out because it was kind of sad and kind of kind of kind of spooky a little bit, but basically it's just I think I told you all about it before. It's basically mm-hmm. just like uh it's a group of friends but it kind of takes place in two separate we'll say planes. It takes place in the the main character's dream world and then it takes place in real life and you kind of switch between the two. So obviously the dream world is when Sonny goes to sleep, which Sonny is Amori. His, I forget why his name is Amori in the dream world. The The art style is just really, really sweet, though. Everything's hand-drawn, and when you face the, like, the... I guess all the enemies look just fucking awesome, just balling. But then when you fight some of the bosses, they, they like, fill the fucking screen, basically. Oh, the They're best. huge. And then there's a lot of multi-stage bosses that'll kind of change throughout the battle, and, of course, they'll fill the screen even more, and it's just insane. And they'll kind of they have they'll have little speech bubbles where they'll kind of like talk during the battle, which I guess other RPGs have already done that. But because the game uses this like emotions system where they can be uh, angry, sad, and happy, or or neutral. But depending on what emotion they are, like what they say, of course, will be different. Oh, and that's neat. This is really cool. Which uh, yeah, I think was it happy makes it so they're faster and they have a higher crit rate. Angry oh. is. Less defense, more attack. Sad is less attack and more defense. The The new version that they brought to consoles and stuff came with a new ending, which was actually super clever. And it's just a really awesome game. It's on Game Pass, everybody. If you have Game Pass listeners, play Omori. It's worth it. You can play it for free for $15 yeah. a month. It's awesome. $15 a month, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of games that aren't in black and white and are in color... My number six pick is Destiny 2, The Witch Queen, specifically. Um, (laughs) Destiny 2 was my most played game this year, by far. There was a solid three or four months where it was the only thing I played. That was the the early part of the year for me, where there was nothing coming out that interested me. So I just, (laughs) it happens every couple of years, I was just like, I should play Destiny. And then my life has changed for the next three or four months. But <laughs> the Witch Queen is the most recent expansion that I paid money for. <laughs> Why did I pay money for it? Uh, did I really just pay money without knowing if it was good or not? I don't know. But it, it uh, it's – I was surprised. I played the original Destiny and I played the original Destiny 2. 
and I bought the first expansion for Destiny 2, and that expansion was so bad that it made me stop playing Destiny 2. It mm. was... It had a very tiny location on Mars, and uh, it was separate from the Destiny 1... No, it was on Mercury. My apologies. It was on Mercury. And you couldn't use your Sparrow, your little riding scooter thing, so you had to run across the whole thing. And Ew. there just wasn't... Their whole thing was like, we've got a, a uh, randomly generated areas for you to go through, so you have unlimited content, but it was like just the same set pieces, the same stages, just mixed differently. And everyone was like, we didn't want this. No one wants this. So, <laughs> in comparison, the Witch Queen is unbelievably massive. I could not believe how much content was in this thing. Like, there's the campaign, just the regular campaign, which was really good and had a great story. There was tons of revelations. There was fun boss fights. It actually felt like uh, it could have been its own game. Like, there's, it was really good. And then the area, the new explorable area, is the Witch Queen's Throne World, which is like a... How do I even explain this? It's like a, a space that she created in her mind that you go into, and it Ooh. has enemies and stuff. And so it's like this giant hive castle area and then a buggy marsh outside of it. And it's really, there's like three big distinct er areas. There's tons to explore and there's hidden secrets everywhere. And you it's got its own set of missions and side missions. And you find these secrets that lead to more missions. I just couldn't believe it. Like, as I was doing the campaign, I was like, I actually got to take a break and do some of the side stuff. It introduced weapon crafting. So you could, instead of just having weapons with designed uh, traits, you could pick whatever traits you wanted and level up your gun and unlock new traits. It just added so much content. And I was obsessed and played it endlessly for three or four months. It was, it was just great. I, I don't have really much negative to say about it at all. But that was actually where I was going to end, unless you had any questions about Destiny 2, the Witch Queen. No, you've answered all of them just fine okay. <laughs> over, the, over the past few months. Yeah. So that's that's halfway through our list, so we should probably take an ad break. Yeah? Do it. You had better start this, because I'm, I'm going to go right for crabs. Okay. So we uh, this, this sponsorship is a little different. It's a little special episode, so we got a little different... Uh, I'm actually fully invested in this company. It is the 50% Swedish store. Just like me, everything Ooh. is 50% Swedish. You can buy burritos, but the other half of it is Lefsa. You've got recliners, <laughs> but half of it is Ikea, so you got to put the rest of it together. The pickled herring, but half of it is the Swedish fish candy? Yes, which I actually, I actually hate. I hate Swedish fish candy. But oh my it's good here. You should spend your time in the... the <laughs> 50% Swedish store. Every employee is half Zlatan Ibrahimovic, famed Swedish football player. I can't. I can't. The crabs. The crabs, Aaron. Yeah, crabs, they're, they're half Swedish too. Their last name is Hjander uh, Vikram Krug, and, uh, and they all have little little curly cues on their little uh, mutton chops and everything like that. Uh, they also, they really love to yell everything in Swedish. Yenga dinga dergen. Yep, that before they before they snippity snip ya, hingy dingy dirgan. Open every day of the week except or every day of the year except Leaf Erickson Day. Oh, I can't think of anything else. Uh, 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 meatball subs. Half are like regular marinara and shit. The other half is Swedish meatballs. 
it, it just you just got to trust that it's half Swedish. So thank you, 50% Swedish store. It's uh, Tommy approved because I'm also 50% Swedish. I, we, and we're back. Yes, we're back with our top five games of the year, technically. Speaking of uh, half Swedish, let's yeah. talk about Loop Hero. Ooh, I love Loop Hero. This is the one. This is the one that came out. It was in December, actually, of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I like almost everything about it. I like maybe 92% of it. There's just so a few small things I hate about it. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, for those that haven't played it, you just the whole world has basically just been erased. You, as the hero, you uh, basically just go out into the world on this like endless loop. And you go through and kill shit get loot get materials bring those materials back to your camp build new shit unlock new cards use those cards to use those slap those cards on the map like like forests increase your attack speed deserts decrease how much health your enemies have mountains give you more max hp a whole bunch of other cool passive shit and you basically just beef up your character as you go through and eventually like you'll fill up your you'll fill up your boss meter and fight a boss and the bosses are actually super sweet like the they're all pretty unique was the first one is the lich where like when he spawns he'll spawn a shit ton of palaces and for each for each palace that he has he'll have an extra five percent hp so if you leave them all there he has an extra 50 percent hp Ooh. and then the next one is the uh, i forget i think her name is like the watcher and she spawns these little stained glass windows that'll that'll take a hit for her basically and then there's the hunter i forget what he does but he's really cool I'm I'm on the last boss and I can't beat it. It's tough. You basically have to like boss rush through the first three and then get to him. Of course. It's but yeah, it's all awesome. It's it's great. The only one thing that I don't like is that runs start off pretty damn slow. Mm. Like they're they're kind of a slog. Like once you start a new run, it's it's kind of a slog. But it'll pick up and then then you'll start to get in the groove of things and you'll be whooping ass and equipping new new books and new rings and. Some sweet chains, hot ice. Um, that's Loop Hero, everybody. It's yeah, great. Loop Hero is definitely one of the most unique ideas for a game I've ever heard. Because you talk oh, yeah. about fighting things, but you don't actually do any of that. Your little guy just goes around and fights things on his own. You just set up the track for him and build the land around him. And that is extremely satisfying just to see that land grow and just seeing the map at the end. Mm. Chef's kiss. And the little... Yeah, and like, and you watch his like stats in because you have that one mm -hmm. little box that has all of his stats in there, and oh god, and then you, and when good. you get, and then when you get like a new weapon or armor that's like an exact upgrade over the one you have, and you just feel like a complete god. It's yep. oh man, it's yep. so good. Yep, I am very surprised. I looked it up, and it's still not on anything besides PC and Switch, which is very that's... surprising to me. That's that's, that's like a Game Pass game if I've ever seen one. I know maybe it's it's got to be coming out soon because I know Hades was Switch and PC only at launch, and then eventually I think maybe what twenty twenty one was when it came out to Xbox. I think because it was on Game Pass for a while. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be coming. Everybody, hold your breath. It's coming. It's <laughs> they have to. What else are they doing? Um, yeah. I uh I just before I get to my top five, I want to say that like these top five games for me all could have been number one for different reasons like these five games are my babies <laughs> like i love all of these games so so much and it was really difficult mm. to rank them so 
take that. I, I I agree, like, absolutely that they should go where they go, but they're very close. They're very close. So... Yeah, my... Go on. I was, I was, sorry. I was, my, my, my top five weren't really in any order either. I, I know I had my... Uh, the first two were for sure my, my absolute favorites of the year, but... But yeah, Lupiro yeah. was a... Uh, it was tough to pick between that and Amori, but... Yeah. Go on. Um... Speaking of games where you can end up feeling like a god, my number five is Vampire Survivors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there a, we go. It's really good. It actually, surprisingly, I I played it for a bit when it was on PC Game Pass, and I was like, okay, I get it. You move around, kill things, and you, and you upgrade your stuff, and, and that's it. And then I kind of just moved on from it, and then it came to Xbox Game Pass, and I played it, and I got hooked. I accidentally stayed up till 3.45 in the morning on a weeknight, <laughs> which is unreasonable. I haven't done that since college, and it's it's I don't know the last time I've had a game like that where I just lose complete track of time, and I'm just like, one more, just one more run. I unlock something, like, I see what it is. I can't just go to sleep without seeing what it is, and um, it's just such a well-designed game for what it is. Like, it's it's like the early or the late 2000s internet games kept evolving it's got that that style of you're doing things and you're unlocking things to make your stuff better like that's what all internet games were like <laughs> burrito yep. bison is the first one that comes to mind for me <laughs> i played so much burrito bison but it's just like doing a run and then spending your money to make yourself better and this does it so well the 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 weapons are so fun to use and how they combo and and what i didn't understand when i first played it on pc game pass was the game is so much deeper than what it appears to be oh my god yeah it is you unlock it's so many different like i don't even know how to describe it because it's not like new modes or new abilities like you, like you new mechanics yeah yeah it, it's just it changes so much and changes how you go into even playing the game. And it's just amazing that they were able to do that. And the DLC dropped today and we are recording this podcast instead of playing it, which is horrible. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. I'm going to buy it right now. It's, it's number five on my list because even though it is the most video game ass video game of the year, and it is the most fun I've had this year, I that's kind of all it does. It's just that pure adrenaline run fun, and it doesn't really do much else besides that fun. So if you're looking for fun, there's nothing else that will top it. But at the same time, that's all it does. Weird enough, Vampire Survivors was my number two because I was just, I, for the longest time, I was in this big, big game fatigue. Like I had no idea what the hell I wanted to play mm -hmm. ever. I would just kind of go from game to game. And it's... And it's so cheap. Like you're you're doing yourself yeah, a huge disservice right. not buying it. You might as well go fucking buy it. It's Five bucks. Every run, you always feel so rewarded because mm -hmm. you're always unlocking something. You know whether it's you're unlocking a new arcana or a new character, or you just get like just a bunch of money. Gosh, and the, the different characters are really cool because like the first few you unlock are kind of basic. It's like hey, you gain more power every one level, or like you have temporarily more cooldown or something like that but then they get really really sweet like there's those there's that group of people that 
was that they gain more projectiles every level, but they have different goofy weapons like that mine cart and the bone. Oh my gosh, like I love the vine carts. And uh, what is it called? The, the merchant? I went through a lot of the game without ever figuring out Same. that you could unlock the merchant. The big game changer for me was unlocking the grimoire, I want to say it is, where you can see the weapon evolutions. Because yes. like, up to that point, you're just collecting weapons, leveling them up, making it as far as you can, dying to the skeleton army 12 minutes in. And then you collect this grimoire, and it's just this thing that says weapon plus blank equals blank. And you're like, what? And then you probably accidentally unlock an, a weapon evolution, and you're just like, no. They they just they did such an expert job of of spreading out all these things because they could have totally thrown everything at you at once and been like, here's weapon evolutions, here's uh, whatever the cards are, here's the shop. But no, they spread it out and let you discover it yourself and let you figure it out. And it's it's just so great. And and one last thing I'll say that like shows that they understand their game better than anyone else is how when you unlock enough levels, you unlock hyper mode, I think it is, where the yep. time goes at double the speed, but your experience in gold goes double as well. So they're kind of like, you've earned it. You you made it to the end of every stage. You don't we, don't we don't want you to waste your time 30 minutes runs every time because you're powerful enough. So let's make it quicker for you. That's such just such a nice thing. Here's one for you. Did you know that a, a successful run is considered when you survive for 31 minutes and you killed death? Yes, I haven't quite done that yet. I've survived for 31 minutes, but I haven't killed death. All right. Or wait. No, I forget if, if you do have to kill death. I know a successful run is to is to make it to the 31-minute yep, mark. There's, but... there's achievements for 31 minutes for sure. Okay. I don't know if I've gotten to 31 minutes, but... I accidentally did once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so cool. And I like... Oh my god, one of my favorite things about like any roguelike is uh, is synergies where basically weapons combine mm -hmm. with other weapons to make sweet shit. Dude, the the pentagram with the attract orb, I think, where it starts going like boing, oh, yeah, yeah. boing, boing, boing. Oh my boing, gosh, that's boing, so boing, good. Boing, that boing, build boing, up. Boing, boing, and then boing, and then you're sucking all these gems and you get like like 16 fucking levels and, and then you, you go and fully upgrade another weapon like the uh what is it? The the fire wand with whatever the fuck, and then just make this fucking Meteors comet wand. fly across the screen. Oh. <laughs> fucking it just gets meatball. out of hand. It it gets out of hand in the best way. I I love yep. garlic. I will always pick garlic. Oh, yes. And you level that up, and it like sucks health out of the enemies, and so you just got this giant wall of of protection around you. You're just running into these armies like ah. <laughs> That's me with the Bible maxed out. It it, it doesn't stop spinning. It's always spinning know, and there's, so, there's like there's no when you increase the no speed it. it's just going <laughs> oh my gosh so good that game is that that's absolutely my that was a tough number two but joke intended but yeah it was number two for me um so where do we go from here because i you did your number five i did my num did you do your number five yeah loop hero is my five yes loop hero but then we also did your number two. So do I go to number four or do we do your number four? You can just do yours. It's fine. Okay. Uh, my number four game of the year is Marvel Snap. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. am obsessed with Marvel Snap. It is the best card game I played since Legends of Runeterra, even though they are nothing alike. Um, <laughs> it's, it's made by, I don't know if you knew this, it's made by the guy who made Hearthstone, Hearthstone. 
Uh, oh, really? Same dude, yep. And it, you can just tell that he understands card games because uh, it's, it's like everything that I love about card games but condensed and distilled. Like when I first read about they're making a Marvel card game and I was like, okay, sure. And <laughs> I read about it and they're like, yeah, they're like, you only have 12 cards in your deck. And there's only six turns, and you both take your turns at the same time. And I'm like, that's so stupid. That's stupid. But it works. It works so good. It's I can't believe it. Like, you can actually have synergies and and uh, deck archetypes, as Aaron likes archetypes, as Aaron likes okay. to say. I've built so many different decks based on different mechanics, and the games are so quick. They take like less than five minutes. And you, you still get to do your whole building up your strategy and trying to win with whatever that specific strategy is. My favorite deck is a discard deck. I've got, uh, like, as you're unlocking cards, there are some that are like, when you play this card, discard another card from your hand. And I'm like, why the hell would you do that? You only have 12 cards in your deck. Why would you want to discard any? And then I got um, Apocalypse, I believe his name is who has the ability, whenever you discard him, put him back in your hand with plus four power. And oh I was like, God. oh, okay. And then I got Swarm, which is whenever you discard this card, put two copies in your hand that cost zero. And you can keep discarding them oh and getting God. a swarm of them. And it's just every, so well thought out. And there are uh, three lanes and each lane has a different location. One flips over on turn one, one on turn two, one on turn three. It's totally random what they are, and they have different abilities that like completely change how you play. There will be some that are like, the highest card here gains plus five power, or after turn four, every card here gets smushed into one card. Or there's even some that are like, you can't play cards here. And just having that variety makes every single game feel fresh and it uses that part of my brain that strategizes like with my discard deck i'm like okay i need to avoid that lane so i need to play things here and then it's 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 just if you love card games like marvel snap is is wonderful it's it's just so good the only negative i have is they are absolutely insane with how much they want you to pay for their special cards <laughs> The most recent one that came out is fifty dollars for two cards. <laughs> Ooh, fifty American dollars. Do they do anything differently? No, it's different skins for for two cards. Oh. Um, no, no, thank you. <laughs> like they had one. They started off with the the first one that's always in the shop is seven dollars for one card, and then they had one that was like. $20 and then $30 and now they're up to 50 and it's like stop I understand they need to make money but I'm giving them $10 every month for their battle pass I like that it's super duper like deceptively simple it's it, like you, you think to yourself at first it's like oh you just put cards here and then that's it but you can you can really if yeah, how the fuck do I explain it? it's man um it's really easy to think ahead of your opponent, kind of like you, you yes. kind of think ahead of your turns, because because you'll you'll be thinking so, you know they've got they've got one guy on you know points one and points two and you know they own those ones right now. There's maybe like nobody on 
on the third point. You're, you'll be thinking like, ooh, maybe I could put a guy on the third point or you know capture that one, or maybe I should take over the first or second. And there's just there's so many sweet oh, yeah. sweet yeah. strategies, and there's just they're just so always oh, a word cerebral. I like to use that word a lot. Yes. It's it's very like it uses a lot of your brain juices to kind of think around your opponent and and throw them off and yeah. And, and the best part is they introduce. A new location every week, I want to say, and they're putting new cards in every week as well. Like, Ooh. it's it's they're pretty good on new content. It's not just set cards and set locations. And uh, another thing I love that they do is they every week for two or three days they have a different. Uh, I don't remember what they call it. it's like a special location that appears in forty percent of games, and it kind of forces you to, in a good way, it forces you to experiment with different decks. Like, there was one where it was like, when you play a card here, put three copies of it on this spot. So you're essentially playing one card and getting four copies. And the, you can you can just, like, put the Hulk on there and just get a ton of points. Or you can read people's comments on Reddit and be like, if you actually put uh, 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 Nightcrawler there, it creates four of them. But then you can move them all away because that's his abilities. You can move him once. And then you can put different cards on there. They, they really do a good job of helping you experiment with different types of different strategies. That's really, really cool. Speaking of cool games that make you play them and you think. Yes. Uh, Steam World Dig 2. That's my number four. Just your usual Metroidvania kind of thing. But... There's a lot of digging, as the name might suggest. <laughs> they go to a different place underground. You'll like tunnel your way there. Along the way, you'll collect gems and shit like that, and you use that money to buy upgrades for stuff that you have. You can also find different blueprints for different upgrades as well too. And uh, you'll, in Metroidvania fashion, you'll beat bosses and get new abilities. Like you'll get, uh, you get like a grappling hook or a fucking drill. Uh, the best one is just this jetpack, so you can fly all over the place. And but oh my gosh, it's just it's so good because there's just it's just the most satisfying loop of going along, and getting just shit tons of gems and other cool items, and picking shit up. And then of course your inventory will be full, so you'll have to go back to town, turn all that shit in, upgrade, buy some other some buy some other shit, go back down into the pit, and then you know you can either just explore and find health upgrades or you know, advance the story going to wherever the hell but i don't think there's anything i didn't like about it it's just so good it, do you actually like dig tunnels to decide where to go or is it more like traditional metroid where it's tunnels and you're exploring those tunnels no you have to actually like dig the oh, tunnels basically like terraria style yeah yeah exactly that's cool that was like my favorite part of terraria was digging and then seeing your giant tunnels oh that's cool i didn't know that that's how it worked yeah yeah dude and then uh, there's just all sorts of really sweet and you can um then there's just tons of different upgrades that you can equip that completely change how you play because there's all sorts of different ways you, you can build your person you can have uh like hey like, I, I prefer to use the drill so i because the drill digs super duper fast so i would just drill all the way down really fast and i have just shit tons of steam upgrade there's just oh my god and the music is so good the main theme from when you're in town el machino it's so sweet uh just bam 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 and then the bosses are awesome i i just i can't think of a bad thing about it it's it's my 
favorite Metroidvania, honestly, from my Ooh. one of my favorite series. Speaking of games that are a genre different that they're they're a new take on an old genre. Speaking of games, they're a new take on an old genre. Tinykin Perfect. is my number three pick. And I, before I that wasn't your one. I, I just wanted to say before I specify my top three games, like extra, extra, each of them could have been number one. I loved Tinykin so much. Like after I finished playing it, I was like, this is nothing's gonna top this. This is number one. There's no way. Um what I love about Tinykin is it is the first game I played in a while that like made me feel like a kid again. Like it, it just gave me such a, a warm, homey feeling. Like I'm, I was sitting in the living room playing my GameCube or something. It's just, it just, it, ha- it nails that feeling. It's, it's, it's a game where you run around a house, you're a tiny person, big house, and you collect these little tiny kin and you take them around with you to help you do things. And that's all you do is you just explore you find pollen, you find Tinykin, you find ship parts, and it's just such a joy to explore the world. To, to like, you just see what you can find, and you go there, and uh, it's it's just. I've never played a Pikmin, and I feel like I wouldn't like Pikmin as much because <laughs> of how good Tinykin was and the impact it had on me. I just never felt any. There's no combat. It's just exploring and collecting things, and you just. It's nothing but good vibes, man. The the only real negatives I have and the things that made me push it out of number one are the story is bad. It's almost non-existent, and what <laughs> is there is bad. Like, there's a bit at the beginning and a bit at the end, and it's just not... It, it's, it's almost like it was from a different game. <laughs> and um, there are... The, the last two Tinykin you collect just don't fit the vibe like the other ones do they're just not as versatile like you pick them and use them at specific places and so it it doesn't feel as good but i i just tinykin took me back to a place where games just haven't been for a while because like games now are battle passes live service buying paying money for skins and tinykin is just a game that you play and you go and explore, and, and it's just – it's the game that they don't make anymore. You know, man? You know? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I know that. It's so good. It. It's it's just – I love everything about it. The devs seem super cool. They like our stuff on Twitter. <laughs> Speaking of video games that you have to play, <laughs> Shining Force 2 I played a shit ton of. I don't know if you've ever played one of those before. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Shining Force 2, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Is a it's a strategy RPG. Well, I guess the whole series is strategy RPG series. RPG series made by Sega. The first two were on the the Genesis, ah. and for a Genesis strategy RPG, I was expecting it to be just kind of bleh. Like it's just it's just there, and they made it. There's a lot of depth to it, and it's really really cool. And so so Fire Emblem, you just have your your guys. There'll be a story segment. You'll talk about bullshit, and you'll bullshit with dudes about other bullshit. You'll romance some guys, and then then you fight stuff, and then you just repeat that cycle. But Shining Force is, or it's just it's so different because it'll be you'll actually explore the world. You go to towns, talk to NPCs, and then it basically feels like an adventure plus strategy RPG combat, and it's really sweet and. And your your units, 
oh man the the classes are super cool because a lot of the times i feel like in in fire emblem characters just don't feel very unique but in shining force they all do really feel unique because for one there's definitely not as many characters as you would get in fire emblem so you don't have like maybe three people of the same class in shining force you have at least like one person of each class and then there's like secret characters that there's actually there's secret hidden characters that you can find that have their own sweet ass like unique classes and everything and sure you'll get a couple characters who reuse the same class like a knight because they're centaurs and but yeah you, you can eventually um rank them up to a new class and those new classes are just depending on when you because you're first eligible to rank them up to a new class at when they're level 20 kind of like with with pokemon and other games if you wait until they're a little bit higher level like say like 30 or 40 and then you promote them to a new class their base stats will be a lot higher so they won't be as they won't be as babyish when you when you when you promote them to a new class it's just it's so awesome it's definitely not what i was expecting from a genesis rpg there's just there were quite a few people on our twitter that um they were playing the game around the time of my before i started playing it and started playing it and i got hooked it's just it's fun it's a Again, it's a game that was made to to play and have fun, kind of like Tinykin. Yeah, and this was your first time playing it, even though it came out many, many, many years ago? Oh, yeah. I expected it to be like Fire Emblem or any other strategy RPG, but it's definitely a lot different. It's it's great. I think that definitely says a lot, because some of those old games can be very hard to play in the modern age. Like Castlevania 2. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) Very, very janky, very... Mm, what's the word uh broken archaic yeah broken broken there we go man we don't have to get into it but just the fact that like some pokemon moves in red and blue were were like completely broken that's probably a topic for another podcast episode wink (laughs) Uh, (laughs) speaking of things that are very very old my number two pick for game of the year is pentiment This could easily be number one. Pentiment is the most unique game I've played in a while. How many times have you been playing Gears of War and you're like, I just wish I could play a game where I'm in a village in 1500s Bavaria where I have to solve a murder mystery. And if that's you, then you need to check out Pentiment because that's what it is. (laughs) And uh, the art style is like literally nothing else. It's uh, done in the style of 1500s... uh, wood carvings and manuscripts it, it looks like you're just uh, running around a manuscript and that's cool it's surprisingly deep because when you look at the game you just take your character left and right across the screen and you talk to people and you make choices and you you think that that's it like it almost looks like it could be a visual novel with moving but it is a full-fledged rpg like role-playing emphasis on the role-playing you pick your background for your character like what you studied in college uh where you went to like where you lived what you like doing and that influences the things you can say throughout the game and it like heavily influences like it straight up cuts off sections that you can find like i found a book and i was like this is in french i can't read french and it turns out that, like, if you could read French, you can unlock further dialogue options. And 
man, the game has so many themes, so many themes that you just don't see other games do. Like, uh, it's very heavy on the religion and how religion impacts people's lives and how people can use religion to kind of overpower people, I guess, and what role religion should play in people's lives. It's got a very heavy emphasis on history. That was the one that stuck with me the most and how you view history and how history is remembered. Um, I'm going to go in. I'm just going to say this now. I'm doing heavy spoilers for Pentiment. There's almost no way to talk about it without doing heavy spoilers. So if you haven't played Pentiment yet, uh, turn off the podcast. But <laughs> in in act so act one, you start is an artist named Andres Mailer. Act two is seven years later. Act three is 18 years later. So 25 years from the beginning of the game. And in Act 3, you're tasked with creating a mural that records the history of the, the village that you're in from when it was first discovered to their present day. And so you have to go around talking to people and asking them what they remember, what they remember as the history of the town. And you get all sorts of different things because everyone has a different – they were told different things. Like it's not like anyone's wrong. They were just told different things as they were growing up. And um, you have to pick which past to represent on the mural. And I picked the, the past that were true. Like I found books that said this is when people discovered it and here's what was here. And then like this is what happened next. So I picked those specific things. And then at the very end of the game, you go underneath the town to these Roman ruins which is the Romans discovered the city before the Christians, the, the Christians that now inhabit it did. And so you learn that everything that you thought was a fact, everything that you thought was the truth, wasn't actually true because the people who are currently in the village, the Christians, don't want people to know the past. So they like make it appear like they looking good to them, obviously. And so everything I had put on the mural that I was like, well, I'm going to just represent the truth wasn't the truth at all. And now everyone's going to believe that that's what happened. And that's a huge thing with the game is just how your choices will affect the future, how people are going to view the past. Like you make so many small choices that you don't think are going to be important, but they impact people's lives in huge ways. Like uh, I told a story to a girl when she was little that was like super fantastical. I was like, there was fairies. And you can, you can pick what kind of story you tell her. And I was like, there was fairies and a prince and all this stuff. And so you see as she gets older, she, like, gets super into, like, fantasy stuff, like witches. And as she gets even older, she's, like, getting into witchcraft. And then you, you get to see that she gets burned at the stake because she got too into witchcraft. Yeah. And it's because, you, it. it's because you told her that story when she was younger. And there are so many things that the game does with that where you just make these choices and it affects everything into the future and it's 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 crazy because like you're not the main character in this game you are just a a visitor to this village and so like you're not there to to change the world or everything you're just a a bypasser who happens to change these people's lives and i think it's just so powerful and it, it's just so it made me think about so many things and there's just nothing nothing else I've ever experienced like it I I oh man what a great game the the only downside I can say is that 
there are some very slow parts. The beginning of the game is very slow. The beginning of chapter three is very slow. It can be a, I almost dropped it in act three because it was a slog, but it is absolutely worth it. I haven't even gotten to like the murder mystery part, which is what they pitched the game on. It's just, it's so dense, so insanely dense. And all you do is move left and right and talk to people. So is the, is the murder mystery actually a big part yes. of it? Is that... Yes. That is the main plot in acts one and two is someone has been murdered and you, you have to go around talking to people to figure out who did it. And by the end of the game, you're still not sure. That's, that's another big thing in like the, you impacting history is like you you accuse someone that you think did it and you never know if it's true or not but it's going to affect history regardless like everyone's going to be like okay that's who did it and it changes your relationships with people it changes how the people view other people there's like 50 plus characters in this game it's it's just insane how in how deep it how dense it is and it, it was released by Obsidian, right? Yeah, Obsidian made it. Like <laughs> Josh Sawyer said, it was his dream game. The after the That's credits, cool. there's a bibliography with like 15 different books from that era that they read to to give them knowledge about how to best represent the 1500s world. It's it's just I don't. This game doesn't get made without Game Pass. There's no way that Bethesda or Obsidian, excuse me, Obsidian would give their developers time and resources to make it it's really unique too like other games i feel like that are coming out are just like it's another battle royale shooter or it's yeah another metroidvania or yeah. something but then this one it's just like it's a side-scrolling bavarian cream filled murder mystery actually a full-on rpg with backgrounds yeah. and choices we are up to our number one picks um but before that we're going to do some honorable mentions because we actually did play more than 10 games this year. And at least for me, I have I have five games that I liked, but for whatever reason, they weren't in my top 10. I, I don't want to spend too much time on them because they don't deserve yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you go yours... first, Aaron, because I just, I dried my mouth out on Pentiment. But yeah, one, one of mine was Shovel Knight Dig. It's great. It's cool that Shovel Knight has his own roguelike now. It's, it's great, but... Sometimes it's just really fucking unfair. So fuck it. <laughs> MLB The Show 22 finally came to Xbox this year. Man, is not is it not fun to play? They just completely went overboard on systems and mechanics for upgrading your player. And it is just not fun to have to purchase equipment with in-game money to boost your stats. I just want to play and get better by playing. Oh, that does sound gross. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Ooh. It's mostly a good game. I like that it marries a lot of what made Xenoblade 1 and 2 good. But I fucking... I cannot stand the job system. It, it is pointless. They could have just kept everybody the same jobs that they start as. And the game would have been just fine. Let them learn more skills. A la any other fucking Xenoblade game. It would have been just fine. Sometimes the pacing is also an absolute slog too. There's a lot of... Sometimes I just get two sidetrack with side quests because there's just 80 fucking million of them and i just get really burnt out but xenoblade 3 <laughs> um another one for me is as dusk falls i it's a uh it's like the old telltale games where you just make decisions and that's it you don't control anyone and i it did a lot that i really liked it's actually a multiplayer one of those 
So you and whoever oh. you're playing with vote on what choices to make. But the story was kind of meh. And if there were opportunities where you could not make a choice, and that was an option, but there were some times where you would not make a choice and the game would pick for you. And that mm -hmm. was not cool. Very not cool. My next one is Biomotor Unitron. What the hell? And this... Yeah, I'm... I, this one was a uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color game that got ported to uh, to Switch just this year, 2022, and it's cool because it's basically like Pokemon but robots, oh. and you can you can cust you can like you can customize robots with different little parts like different arms and legs and shit like that, and it's really cool. And you'll just you'll go through dungeons and fight monsters and level up your robot and then take him to a tournament, and then basically Pokemon but robots, but Sometimes the music is real beepy and boopy, and it fucking hurts my ears because I'm a big baby. And and, uh, and sometimes going through dungeons can be a huge, huge slog because random encounters, holy fuck, you can't even, you, sometimes you'll take two steps, oh. get an encounter, to finish that, take two steps, get another encounter, and it's a big pain in the ass. It's Diglett Cave. Yep, Zubats. Ugh. <laughs> Um, another one for me was Deathloop. I played Deathloop this year, even though it came out a year or two ago. Um, I loved it. it, it it's a, a time loop game, a roguelike game, and it's got really good mechanics. It's it's another one of those games that's really well thought out. They they took the time loop genre and bent it to their will. I just didn't play it enough. I, I got into other games and stopped playing Deathloop pretty early on. I... I just started like getting to where I could lock equipment for future use, and I'm sure if I would have played the whole thing, it would have made my top ten. But I just didn't have enough time for it this year. You'll never see my next one coming, Tommy. It's Grapple Dog. Oh, I didn't even know you played Grapple Dog. I did. I, I played a good bunch of it, and it's it's cool because it's just it's like if a platformer were all about just grappling all over the place, because. It, uh, you basically just you'll move faster if you grapple around instead of just walking and there's all sorts of cool hidden collectibles and there's cool hidden stages and unfortunately it, i kind of stopped playing it because other stuff came out i think yeah. it was amori came out around that time that that came out and it just forgot about it yep yep that's 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 definitely a theme with some of these for me my next one i'm i'm sorry aaron persona okay. 5 royal that's okay. I did the same thing for, <laughs> I did the same thing for. Pers I've never finished a Persona game because they're so long, and sometimes I just don't want to talk. Sometimes I just want to whoop ass, see, and move on. And I'm the opposite. I love the talking. I love the the voice acting, the story. But I just, man, I I wasn't feeling the combat, and and I got about twelve to fifteen hours in, and a lot of people said that's when the game starts, but. It's just too much of building upon itself. Like, I understand that it's introducing its mechanics slowly, but it's just too slowly for me. And I just dropped. I just one day I was like, I don't feel like playing today. I'm going to play something else. And I just never went back to it. Yep, but I liked I, it. I, I liked a lot it. of it. I, li I really enjoyed the the story of the, the uh, gym teacher. I finished that whole arc and I just kind of felt content. My my number one honorable mention was Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Ah. I forgot that I owned it on uh, Xbox One. And when you unlock the inverted castle, which you do by beating the game with all the you know all the familiars or something stupid, but the inverted <laughs> castle is just so fucking difficult. 
there's a lot of parts where you'll have to just you have to go up the screen, but you'll have to jump up platforms, get to the top of whatever place you're in. But then there's all sorts of these, like, kind of like Castlevania too. There's like there's enemies floating all over the place, and of course if you get hit, they'll bop you back, mm-hmm. and then and then of course you'll fall back to the very bottom of the goddamn thing, and you have to climb all the way back up. But then oh, what's that? Your fucking stupid ass got hit by another one. You're falling down, and guess what? Your half of your health is gone. What are you gonna do now, bitch? There was just a lot of those, and then yeah, then uh, other games came out, and I forgot about it. My number one honorable mention is Pokemon Violet. The first few hours of Pokemon Violet, I was in love. I was, I adored the open world and just I loved the Pokemon models. The rest of the game looks like garbage and runs like garbage, but I didn't care. I still don't care, honestly. I love the models. I love being able to run around and seeing the Pokemon everywhere. And as I've played, I have fallen out of love with it is the best way that I can put it. I'm still playing through it. I Mm. just am not gaining any joy from playing it. (laughs) But I have to keep playing it. Um, I don't enjoy exploring anymore. There's – I like – it's it's just once you catch the six Pokemon in an area – that's the six Pokemon you're gonna see for the next five miles, buddy, and uh, and you can. It's just so open. I think the areas are too big, and the frickin' map like the there's no option to make the map not rotate. I don't know where the hell I am. I don't know where the hell everything else is because the map rotates. So I I'm trying to. If, if I could just plot a course from here to there, I could. But the map rotates, and you rotate, and I just don't know where the hell I am, where the hell I'm going. I asked the Pokemon Center lady where to go, and she was like, oh, go to, the, go to this thing. It's right nearby. And I go over a bridge, and there's level 50 Pokemon. I'm like, that bitch lied to me. Why did she say I should go here next? <laughs> but I'm going to keep playing until I get everything. <laughs> I um, I'm surprised I didn't put that in my honorable honorable mentions either. It's 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 not my my game of the year either because I, what is I'm gonna kind of almost add this to my honorable mentions. You can. This is our podcast. That's yeah. We oh we run this bitch. Yeah, I got I beat the elite four. Oh damn. And I just yeah I, I this could just like I I liked it quite a bit I'll, i will agree that the areas are huge there's a lot of exploring but you don't really get rewarded for a lot of it like sometimes you'll find a tm yeah and sometimes it's a cool tm like it'll be overheat or flamethrower but then it's just like nope here's fucking tail whip here's baby doll eyes that doesn't do a goddamn thing <laughs> but like it's, it's throat chop <laughs> for the four sound based moves out of the fucking 600 different moves i i love that it's open world i feel like that is the next logical step for yes, Pokemon yes, to take. Yes. It should be open world, but I, I hate that the towns all look the same, though. I, I really hate that. All the towns, because they all have their own little, like, biome, or, like, their own, like, little, like, gym leader, that kind of spice, like, build it around the gym leader, or, like, what their type is. Even in, like, the little winter town up in the mountains, it's the exact same town, kind of. It looks the exact same as the other towns that are, like, on the ground and shit. I hate that. Like, you, you give can't... each town its own specific flavor, bitch. The towns are fucking huge, and you can't go into the buildings. What the hell is up with that? That's <sighs> true. Yeah, you can't go into every building anymore. That's. I don't even talk it's to people dumb. because there's no point in talking to them. Yep, like, yep, it yep. doesn't even feel like a, a town anymore. Like, all the towns felt 
Ver Vermilion City is under construction. You can talk to people about construction. There's a guy who runs the Pokemon Club, and he'll tell you about his Rapidash. It doesn't have any of that. That was in the 90s. That was in the 90s. We gotta save this for yep. a later episode, though. I I'm getting yeah, heated. Yes, it, it's basically a game of the year. I'm going with uh, the Dicey Dungeons Reunion oh. expansion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's it's basically a whole other fucking game, and it's it's great. Well, yeah, it's 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 great because it adds just a ton of different new uh, weapon or not weapon. Yeah, I guess weapons and stuff like that. But it completely reworks how each of the characters work. Oh, what is it? The 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 robot instead of using. Was it the, the error meter thing? You only roll a dice. Instead, you have you use coins, different numbers of coins for different attacks, or you have to like flip the coin to do something. I forget exactly how it goes. The the witch, the witch is entirely it's all puzzles, Tommy. It's Ooh. all one big puzzle you have to solve. You have to use all of your dice for different equipment to finish off the enemy and and use up all of your equipment. And it's great. It's just a little little puzzle. The whole the whole round with the witch is just a little puzzle. And the uh, the warrior is. You know, after it's either after a battle or when you level up, you can do a different workout, and you'll add that card nice. to your build, and then it'll do different things, like do some damage and shit like that. It's just it's so great, and I, I have it on Steam. And it's perfect because I can just use my one hand, just my mouse hand, to play the whole game, and I'll, the other hand I'll just fucking be on my fucking phone or pick my nose or <laughs> eat a fucking just taco. Constantly picking but... nose. <laughs> one one thing oh. I like about Dicey Dungeons, which isn't a big deal at all, but it is it is so snappy. There's no loading in yep. that game at all. It's just menu, option, go, game's over, back to the menu. Like there's no it's I don't it like I don't you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It's okay. just once you get into you start the game and it's you're in the game yeah. and then you pick a character, you're right into the dungeon and then you find an enemy battle starts and then like there's no loading screens really yeah it's it's awesome and then and then there's a whole new soundtrack for, for the expansion as well too and it's great excellent well deserving well deserving of your number one game it, it counts it's basically a whole new game it's great yeah oh absolutely absolutely counts <laughs> um my number one game of 2022 is tunic oh tunic. my god yes so tunic is uh so when i was looking you, you remember i had said like i have these five games that i could all see reasons for them being number one tunic i picked as my number one game because i feel like it was a game that was custom made for me it, it feels like a game that like you know when we're younger and we're trying new genres and trying new things and it like opens up a part of our brain and we're like i'm gonna love this forever that's what tunic was for me as an older person now it I've described it to a friend as a mix between Legend of Zelda, uh, Dark Souls, and Fez, but it is none of those things, but all of those things. <laughs> and it it's just, uh, it's got difficult combat, and it's got difficult puzzles. And you, as your little fox character, are not a part of this world. No one speaks English. All of the signs are in a different language you it the game tells you nothing like it just puts you in the world and lets you explore and you have to figure everything out yourself um scattered around the world are little pieces of a game manual that are in a different language there are some parts that are english a word here and there but it it uh does not tell you explicitly how to play the game and it does that thing that i love where 
you can do everything in the game from when you start, but you have to figure it out and learn it yourself. And just having those revelations throughout the game of being like, if I hold A when I buy this thing, I can do that. Or when you go, when you hit this, it does that. And it did, uh, it, the ending, there are two options. There's the combat ending where you beat the boss, or there's the puzzle ending, which it has a boss puzzle, which is the most brilliant puzzle I've ever seen in a video game. And uh, it's it's just, uh, it was a revelation for me. I, I just was enthralled in the world. I was enthralled in exploring and puzzle solving. I even got into the combat. Uh, there was absolutely a part that I hated, which was a boss rush area that I just turned on invincibility. And uh, you can get lost very easily and not know where to go next. But when mm. you do know where you're going, where you, when you do know where you're exploring, it's it's just a, a masterpiece. Like, I remember being done with it and just in my mind being like, that was a masterpiece. I remember you explaining it to me as you went along in a little, little chat. And it is just my the whole... Oh, man. It's not really a, a spoiler, but like the whole thing with the Golden Cross is... Yeah, that's the, a the holy big cross. Old wet kiss on the chef's face. Yes, the holy cross. And I understand that the game isn't for everyone. I had a friend who played through the whole thing and kept like searching for the holy cross. Like in the game, he he was like, "I never found the holy cross." And you need you need the holy cross to beat the game. And he never figured it out. And by the time he was done, I told him. And he was like, I'm such an idiot. And I'm like, you kind of are. But that's that's one of the downsides <laughs> is you can you can absolutely miss major things like it. There's it's not like things are hidden from you. It's just you have to learn these things and figure them out. Yeah, huh. <laughs> that's yeah. I, I played it maybe like a couple of hours of it. And like, yeah, it, it was good. And I liked it. It was just yeah, there, there's a lot that the game really yeah. hides then it's really subtle too like it's everything is there like it's right there right. i guess it's not there because you'd find the manual pages but everything you need to know is in the manual and it's yeah so that's that's it that's all the best games from 2022 so yeah tell us what your favorite uh games of of the year are and yeah you can do the same thing we did uh you can do a mix of games from 2022 and older games if you want we don't care we're not, yeah. not going to judge you absolutely a good game played this year is a good game played this year even if it didn't come out this year yeah so that's that's that then our next episode we're going to go back to our regularly scheduled programming and talk about some pokemon so look forward to that listeners thank you for listening we love you and and goodbye yes uh, also be sure to follow us on twitter and oh, yeah. that's right rate and review our episodes i guess now goodbye yeah give us five stars uh even if right. you don't like us five stars goodbye five star goodbye